Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Last time we saw the riot in the city of Ephesus begin when the craftsman Demetrius gathered all the other craftsmen and tradesmen together and warned them that if Paul's gospel was left unchecked, uh, that their way of life would be affected, their pocketbooks, as well as the great uh, goddess Artemis, would start to uh, lose her veneration. And so because of this, this was not something that they wanted uh, to happen at Ephesus. It would not only affect their way of life, but affected their uh, city pride, their nationalism and and sense of uh, the the greatness of the city itself. So they uh, gather together and they rush together into the theater in the city of Ephesus, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus. And now we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 30 and reading through the end of the chapter. Verse 30, but when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were his friends, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of Ephesus is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, You ought to be quiet and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, therefore, Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Now, what's happening in these verses? Well, first of all, the angry mob of craftsmen who must have made up a significant portion of the crowd within the theater had pulled Gaius and Aristarchus, two of Paul's traveling companions, along with them into this theater and were shouting at them, angry with them. Uh, This would have been a very dangerous situation for Gaius and Aristarchus. 
Again, this theater is right on the main hub within the city of Ephesus, the ancient city, at the end of the Arcadian Way, which led to the harbor of the city. It was also very near the main marketplace, the Agora, uh, which is where the craftsmen would have had their shops. Paul wants to go in among the crowd uh, this is an indication that not everybody in the crowd knew what was going on. Sometimes people will just flock to view an event when they are not sure uh, what's really happening, what's really taking place. Paul wanted to sneak in among them and perhaps uh, use the opportunity to address the crowd in that way in verse 30. Paul is uh, continuously very bold and courageous on behalf of the gospel. Even in a situation which uh, would have been very hostile and extremely dangerous, Gaius and Aristarchus could have very likely lost their lives at the hands of this angry crowd. Uh, Paul wants to use the opportunity to address this massive group of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. His disciples, however, prevent him from entering uh, the arena. They realize that the craftsmen probably would tear Paul limb from limb because of their anger at this point. And I think they had a good point in doing it. It really was the voice of wisdom and reason holding Paul back by his, uh, the hand of his disciples here. Uh, when there is a crowd that uh, just gets so riled up, there's really no listening to reason at some points, and it seems uh, because of what we see take place, in, and we'll look at this in just a moment with Alexander, that the crowd would not have listened to Paul uh, at this time. So it was most likely for the best that he was prevented from going into this theater. Even some of the Asiarchs, uh, who would have been those in high positions of authority within the city of Ephesus at this time, and uh, their, their authority would have extended over other areas of Asia Minor as well. Even some of the Asiarchs sent to Paul uh, during this event and urged him not to go into the theater. Stay back, stay outside. Everyone seems to have presumed that the outcome would have been uh, Paul's death by the hand of this angry crowd. Well, the angry mob itself was in confusion in verse 32. Some were crying out one thing. Some were crying out another thing. They didn't even know why they had gathered together. This is characteristic of riots and rioting, panic, confusion, and uh, as time passes, more and more anger and more and more rage. Uh, large groups of people like this that just get together and get themselves all riled up, there's a mass confusion, a mass panic, and this is what was occurring in the city of Ephesus. Now, it seems that the Jews were trying to uh, calm the situation here by having a man ma named uh, Alexander go forward to calm the crowd down. What's going on here? Why did the Jews feel the need to get involved? Well, most likely, uh, the craftsmen and the tradesmen don't necessarily understand the intricacies of the difference between Judaism and the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and so they probably just lumped them all together in their thinking into one uh, group of people who believed in one God that was different from the beliefs of the, the Greeks and the Romans who believed in many gods. So Alexander goes forward and he tries to calm down the crowd, but when they recognize that he himself was a Jew, they unite together. He seems to be the catalyst for the entire crowd uh, gathering in one voice and chanting for about two hours in this one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Uh, this would have been something like a, a city national anthem for the city of Ephesus. So uh, Artemis is not just the part of their religious belief system. It's also very intricately tied to their way of life through finances, as we've seen with Demetrius, and also their sense of city pride. The reason why people knew the city of Ephesus, if you traveled away from Ephesus to other parts of the Greco-Roman Empire, uh, would be the Temple of Artemis. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world. If you went off to the city of Rome and tried to talk to someone there about Ephesus, the first thing that would pop into their mind would be this massive temple to Artemis. So Artemis really gives the city its identity, and as they're shouting it, it's, it's something like a, a national slogan for, uh, for the city, or a city slogan here. The crowd was resolute in their devotion to Artemis because she was their city patron deity. And so their pride, their nationalism went right along with their devotion to Artemis religiously. Well, in verses 35 and following, the town clerk comes forward after this to quiet the crowd down. Listen to his words as we read them in verse uh, verses 35 through 40. He says, uh, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he says, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? So Ephesus was known around the Mediterranean world for these things. Seeing then, verse 36, that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. These are the major points of the, the town clerk here. He says, first of all, everyone knows that Ephesus is home to Artemis and her temple and her sacred stone that fell from the sky. Now, there were often objects that were associated with gods in the ancient world, physical, uh, actual objects. For example, in the city of Athens, there was uh, supposedly an olive tree within one of the temples that had been uh, representative of Athena herself. 
And so you have physical objects that take on uh, symbolic or religious significance uh, in the um, uh, Greco-Roman world. And the same is true here. There's supposed to be this sacred stone that, that fell from the sky, perhaps some kind of a uh, meteor that fell as a meteorite, something like that. The town clerk says, since this is undeniable, everybody knows this across the uh, Mediterranean world, the crowd should quiet down and do nothing rash. She's trying to say, look, Artemis is not going anywhere. She's Everybody knows who Artemis is, and everybody knows that Ephesus is what it is because of Artemis. So calm down. The men that they had dragged in, he says, were neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of Artemis. They weren't attacking her per se, but they were uh, talking about how the um, images and idols were not uh, really connected with the divine. So the town clerk defends, to some degree, Gaius and Aristarchus before the crowd here. He also says, furthermore, if Demetrius and his craftsmen have any formal complaints, they should bring it before the courts and the proconsuls according to Roman law and not cause a riot, as he says in verse 38. He says if they're seeking anything more than normal prosecution, normal um, uh, penalties, like, for example, perhaps execution or public beating, it should be settled in the regular assembly. It's not to be done through a massive crowd rioting. They should stop trying to take the law into their own hands, in other words, the town clerk says, and instead follow normal Roman law practices. For this reason, uh, uh, they were in real danger, again, the city clerk tells them, of being charged with rioting, because there really was no cause they could give the Romans for this riot. The Romans prohibited these kind of public gatherings without reason because they threatened uh, their concept of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The city could be punished by uh, loss of income, loss of imports, heavier taxation, higher presence of Roman guards, or all of these things for the riot if it was found out and reported within uh, the Roman province itself. When the town clerk had said these things, he dismissed the assembly and they all leave without any further uh, effect. The Lord used this town clerk to preserve the lives of Gaius and Aristarchus in this very hostile situation. And in the next chapter, we'll see that Paul quickly leaves Ephesus in order to help cool the situation and provide further opportunities for the increase of the gospel in other places. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu.